I was really looking forward to interviewing Daniel Zakowski from Ready Set Food because his company got onto Shark Tank. Mark Cuban actually sponsored them. And I was really, really interested in the entire process. Like, how do you get onto Shark Tank? What then happens? What's the process? What happens afterwards? How does it directly affect your company? What does it look like to work with a shark? Like, I just wanted the like nitty gritty behind the scenes. What is this all about? And how does it work for you? And what was so amazing about this interview, besides for learning all of that, was just getting to know Daniel because he makes it seem like, oh, it's no big deal. But he has so many like nuggets of inspiration of how to really create a business that's thriving, that is making a difference, even though it might not necessarily be something easy. Like I really respect this company. I'm not going to lie because this is a company that is advocating for parents to put a powder in their baby's bottles, four month old baby's bottles in order to ward off allergies, allergies leader in life. And they have the science to prove it. But you know what? It's kind of scary as a parent to put something into your baby's bottle. So taking on a business like this, where you're trying to advocate for this and teach parents about the importance of putting something in in the baby's bottle at such a young age where we're so nervous as parents, like that is a really big task. Like you have to really believe in that mission and be doing it for a purpose. And Daniel has such an amazing history of entrepreneurship in business where he learned so much. And I loved so many of these lessons, like the lessons of um, having fun and not making things such a big deal. Things Like you're going to learn so much from Daniel. It's just, he's so chill and he really, uh, it really inspired me, re-inspired me, I want to say, to make sure that you're doing something that even though it might be a crazy uphill battle, okay, educating all of America and the world, parents who are very nervous and OCD about what they put in their baby's bodies and encouraging them to put but all these powders in their baby's bottles, like that is a huge undertaking. And you know what? They're like, this is what we believe in. And they have such a good purpose. I, I can't wait for you to hear it. And I also just wanted to mention something that really struck me, which was that there are so many people that have product companies and innovative ideas. And they're like, Shark Tank? Me? I don't know. That's just like for them. But when you listen to Daniel's story, like everybody could take their product to Shark Tank if it's innovative, if it's really, really good, if you have the research, et cetera, which most of you do, like your products are amazing. It's really just like believing you can do it and making it there. So I hope that this episode is going to inspire you to think way bigger, to also reevaluate and be like, what am I doing with my life, with my business? Like, is this something that I really want to be focusing my time and energy into and put your full passion into it, even if it seems like an impossible task and all the creative ideas that they have. I mean, this episode is going to be so much fun. So I'm really excited to introduce you to Daniel Zakowski of Ready, Set, Food. Wow. Lots of ambition, lots of credit. Here we go, guys. Welcome to the Greatness Tribe podcast. My name is Tsippy Gross, and as your host and coach, it is my mission to help you see and achieve what's truly possible for you or for your business and what you're really capable of. You see, my entire life, I have been obsessed with getting to the bottom of everything that makes a real difference to the quality of our life and what's really behind success. Because what I've come to learn long ago is that success is an inside out job. And it's time to focus on the things that will get you real results and help you get what you really want in life. 
This podcast is here to bring you knowledge and tools and strategies to up-level all the areas of your life, whether it's your mindset, your brain, your health, your physical body, your finances, your productivity, your relationships, your emotional endurance, or your joy. If you, like me, are thirsty for knowledge and information so that you can maximize your life, I know that you'll enjoy this show. I've got some amazing, incredible people to introduce to you who have so many secrets to share, tips that can impact your life, inspiration to keep you going and reaching for more, as well as my own strategies and tools that I use for myself and my clients. If you, like me, will leave no stone unturned, then this is the podcast for you. I hope that listening to this show will light a fire in your heart to learn and grow and never give up and to do all that you're capable of doing and being. I hope you will begin pushing yourself beyond your current limits and finding the game changers that get you where you want to go. I'm so glad you tuned in. I'm so thankful to have you here today and I hope you enjoy the show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Greatness Tribe. Today is a fantastic day. I'm so excited to introduce to you guys Daniel Zakowski, who is the founder and CEO of Ready Set Food. Ready Set Food introduces a system that is safe and easy for parents to gently introduce products to babies via powder that get added to bottles, which is so cool. Um, This powder reduces allergies in kids by up to 80% and helps has helped prevent 200,000 babies in the USA from developing food allergies. Daniel and his company have been featured on Shark Tank. Now Mark Cuban is one of their big investors, and they have been featured on Lifehacker, Baby Center, NBC, and ABC. Daniel, this is a really awesome story. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on. We really appreciate it. I'm really, really curious about how you did all of this, because I know so many people that have really big ideas and you've like actually made that happen. So I just want to know, who are you? Who is Daniel? How did this whole entire story begin? So my background is as a serial entrepreneur. This is actually my second oh. go around. So uh, previously I'd started a company selling uh, dental consumable supplies. Um, so everything that dentists use in their office from disposable latex gloves to face masks, uh, to drill bits and anesthetic and uh, grew that for about 11 years to a, a peak of about 10 million in revenue in, in about in 2009. Um, and it was a really incredible experience. Uh, started that company um, actually as I was finishing college as um, a, a way to kind of like test if there was an opportunity to to build something um, myself. And it was, it was a really great learning experience that I think helped um, helped you know give me a lot of the tools that I need to be successful now um, at Ready Set Food. Wait, can we just um, stop for a second? Sure. How in heaven's name did you think of that company? That's like I would um, never ever ever think, and as a college student, to start selling stuff to dentists. Uh, yeah, so it's a good question, but it, it was not as intentional as my latter experience with entrepreneurship was. I think mm-hmm. uh, in that in that initial go around, I, I, you know, we uh, my my business partner and I, who's a, a friend of mine since elementary school, uh, both wanted just more like real world business experience, and um, it was you know not easy to find like jobs that were incredibly inspiring that worked around classes. But we thought we you know we could start a small business selling something. Uh, and that that would be just a good learning experience and a good way to kind of prepare ourselves for either entrepreneurship later or, or whatever it was. And, um, you know, he, he had uh, some connections to his father to wholesale disposable gloves. And it seemed like there was enough people, um, you know, d- with like dentists, doctors, mechanics who needed uh, disposable gloves. And it would just be an interesting way to, t- uh, you know, attempt to kind of like starting something and learning from it. Okay. Cause um, I feel like if I had like 
some exposure or access to disposable gloves, I'd be like, well, everybody already has their disposable gloves. Like, what made you think like this is a good idea? Um, you know, I think at that point, you know, we didn't need to make any money because we were we're going to college and living at home. Uh, and, uh, you know, we thought that it would be pretty easy to do something there. Now, I don't know if it would, we thought it would be a big business. Uh, I, don't, I don't think that I thought that we'd be doing it after college. It's not that we thought there was like a huge market opportunity, uh, <laughs> but that if, if you don't need to to make money, uh, that like you can you can sell things because uh, most other <laughs> yeah. people need to make money. You don't uh, really care. So, yeah, it's like it was, it was. And I think once we realized like what dentists, um, especially, you know, that they had so many different consumables supplies they needed. And uh, I think that once we were kind of in there and, and working with customers, we we had a better understanding of where there was a real business. And, you know, that's that's uh, probably the better way to go about it is like having some idea of the industry and, and the needs there before diving in. But because we you know didn't need to make money, we're doing it primarily as like a learning experience in the beginning. I think that uh, that allowed us to just kind of experiment with something and, and get our feet wet being entrepreneurs. But I think that that's like a really important lesson because the like people will say like, oh, it just serendipitously took off, but it really didn't. Like the lack of your resistance and the ability to just like have fun with it and see where it goes, like that is what drives success as opposed to like being really stressed out and like this has to work, you know, which is like what can get us stopped up so easily. So I just find that really interesting because a lot of times people will come on here and they'll be like, you know, I started several businesses and they just like all failed. And now I finally found my secret. And that's not what you're saying. You're like, no, I started something and it went really well. Well, uh, you know, really well-ish. Uh, you know, <laughs> when, when you don't even make any money, it's easy to sell latex gloves. Um, you know, <laughs> okay. So, uh, but you did it for 11 years. So what happened during that time? So I think that, you know, we learned a lot of lessons uh, while we were not needing to really make much money that allowed us to, I think, find a good niche in the dental industry where we could um, have like a more affordable set of supplies that were curated for dentists and um, focus on a private label that allowed us to have, wow. uh, you know, both good quality, but also decent margins um, and kind of undercut the name brand products and focus on more educating dentists on how they could you know save money, but still use quality products by using a kind of a non-branded product. So I think that there's a lot, a lot of you know, opportunities and some, uh, I think the other thing, you know, takeaway there is just that in some of the areas that are not as, um, as exciting uh, to, to get involved in, um, there's yes. a lot less innovation and yes. just opportunities to do kind of like basic levels of uh, kind of like best practices, but that that's just not what's being done because people aren't innovating as much there. This so it's not exciting. Um, Exactly. So, so I don't think we had any like amazing secret, but like we just saw a lot of things that seemed like they just weren't being done the way we saw our friends doing them at, at companies in uh, in more you know traditional or more uh, forward looking industries and, and could take advantage of a lot of just doing best practices in a more backward looking area. Can you give me like an example of best practices? Yeah. So um, I'll give you like one example was like, I mean, we we're doing most of our sales in like the like you know late to that late 2000s and still like and by the way even right now i think the industry hasn't moved far beyond that and <laughs> that like there's really not good ways to learn about products and to buy products online uh and it for seems dentists. silly to say that in like for dentists and, huh. and it's like mostly because it's a business to business uh yeah you know, like reps, and, sales and reps. i haven't been this close to in the last four or five years so it might be that there's some really awesome ways now but even looking at like just basing ways of like making good product education available online, also like um, helping like guide consumers with more education and information about products. Um, I think that is something that 
um, just hadn't really been uh, been uh, looked at as as carefully, and and that like you know marketing had been done too much to the medical professionals and not as much um, like for example, my wife's a pharmaceutical rep, um, and mm -hmm. you know her she her job is uh, you know mostly you know working uh, and has to you know get doctors to write product, but that a lot yeah. of it is relationship building with yeah. the office staff and things like that, and that. Um, you know, that that's something that we were able to really focus on is kind of like a, just a more typical sales technique instead of focusing on, on like the doctors. So I think that in everything from like web technology to just general like sales techniques, it felt like, you know, everyone else was, you know, stuck a little bit uh, in a, a prior generation. It's like the old school. So you were just like modernizing it. Okay. So what happened? Okay. First of all, did you enjoy that business? Those 11 yeah, years, did you? Okay. Did you feel passionate about that specific niche or topic? Like, what did you enjoy about that? Not really. I just thought it was like exciting to to build something. Uh, you <laughs> right. know, I think that like dental supplies, we were like saving dentists a little bit of money on their products. So, um, I mean, that's, that's exciting. And I, and I, I loved building a business doing it and it was really neat, but uh, I think it's different than you know, now we have an opportunity to, to really, you know, help a lot of babies uh, not develop the allergies that my nephew has. Okay, so we're going to get to that in one second. I just, my last question to you about your dental supplies company is you stuck with it for 11 years. That's a really long time for doing something that you don't necessarily love. Like, how did you keep that up? <laughs> You're um, smiling. I don't know. Like, it's, uh, I mean, I love building a business. You never love all of anything. Uh, I think yeah. anyone who tells you they love like every part of their job is probably not telling you the truth. Right. Um, and that that's, you know, that's why they call it work. And yeah, I know you like, it's good to love it. And it's good to like love the, some aspects of what you're doing, but you're never going to love every single thing. I think it's, it's like dating. Like my wife is like truly like amazing has changed my life in so many ways. But if you ask me ahead of time, like make a list of the 50 things that I would want. And like, no one matches that. There's like not a human being that could possibly match them. I think in a similar way, like there's no job that's like the perfect job and that a lot of people I think, or always looking for like, what's the thing that's exactly like what I have now, but also has these three additional things uh, that I don't have in my current role. And, you know, often that just doesn't exist. So that, that doesn't mean you should stay where mm -hmm. you are just because, but it also means you should, I think, be realistic about like, you know, uh, the fact that I, I loved building a company. I loved uh, the team that we had. I, you know, I loved a lot of the, you know, the things I was learning along the way, but like, you know, and, and dentists need supplies. Yeah. Okay. So I really like that. What I'm hearing in between the lines is that you're just like a stick with a kind of person who is committed, which I think is what le led you to your next venture, which is where I would really like to focus is. So, so tell me more about this. You just mentioned your nephew. Okay. So what's the story here? How did this brand get started? So it all started about, um, you know, three and a half years ago when my nephew developed a number of food allergies. Um, you know, he, I have three kids myself, uh, six, four, and two. Uh, years old. And when my nephew, um, who is now about four years old, was about seven months old himself, mm -hmm. he first ate uh, peanut and had an anaphylactic reaction. So uh, we discovered around seven months of age that, that he was allergic to peanut. And my, you know, my brother-in-law is a doctor and was doing a lot of research oh, wow. about, um, about food allergies. And you know, now that his son had not just peanut allergy, but a number of, number of different food allergies, and that we heard already that there had been some research done showing that if you like fed babies small amounts of allergenic foods, you know, just the food by itself, starting at a young age, that you could um, help prevent most food allergies. But that you know, he started reading more about the the clinical trials that had been done, and and really saw that 
you know, there was already now uh, multiple different uh, medical guidelines and a number of randomized trials showing that if you give babies small amounts of the allergenic food on a regular basis, that that prevents up to 70 to 80 percent of food allergies from developing in the first place. Oh, I didn't realize that it has to be on a regular basis. Yeah, that's so that's key. Um, and um, there's actually just new uh, guidelines that were released by the two of the top U.S. medical allergy associations, and they focus on a couple things. One is that it's multiple allergens, not just peanut, but, you know, peanut, egg, and other allergens, uh, that the starting time should be around four to six months of age. So not before four months, but if you start after six months, then you just, like, my, you know, my nephew started at seven months, and he already had these allergies. Um, That's crazy. I mean, like, and you were telling me this before the show, and I was thinking, like, oh my gosh, I would be so nervous to give my baby an uh, allergen because of just all the education we've had until now, which is like, stay away, stay away, stay away. And now here you guys are coming and saying, like, give it to them when they're four months old. That is such a huge shift. Yeah. Um, and I think that um, the great thing is it's not us. It's, you know, the the American Academy of Pediatrics, yeah. the American Academy of Allergen Asthma. But you can look and see other places in the world. They've already been doing this for a long time and have no safety issues also. Um, so, you know, the reason they thought to do this with peanut is that in Israel, bamba is one of the most commonly fed food right. to babies. Uh, and there's and they're no, fine. There's, and they're right. fine. Right. And actually, they have a 90% lower rate of peanut allergies in Israel than in any other Western country. And it's, be, it's, you know, it's not because they like strategically figured out that putting like a peanut in Bamba and getting their kid would eat it to eat it would prevent food allergies. But it just happened that like a delicious baby snack had peanut. Has peanut, um, right. And there's plenty of other allergies, plenty of sesame allergies in Israel, lots of other allergies going on. Uh, but that we, you know, we now know because, and, and that's actually what led to the first clinical trial was the kind of observing that, that in Israel, there was such a low rate of peanut allergy, that is uh, like so 90% lower. Wow. Um, so we know, first of all, that it's safe because like, if this was not safe, you'd hear about all these kids having very severe reactions from eating bomba mm-hmm. in Israel, uh, which yeah. is clearly not what's happening. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And in fact, the opposite is happening that you're actually seeing like a 90% lower rate of, of allergy. So Look, I, I don't want uh, my kids to have any kind of reaction, but I think this is a case where by being overly protective of our kids in a way and not wanting any harm to come to them, we're making them much more like sensitized and, yeah. and, and weak towards other things in the future, like food allergies. And develop food allergies, which is exactly what we're trying to avoid. And here we are encouraging that through um, lack of exposure. So your nephew had this allergic reaction. Your brother-in-law, was it, that started yeah. looking into all the medical side and, you know, doing the research, what happened next in your story? Um, so for us, you know, I, I have an entrepreneurial background and was always looking for other ways to, to build something really great again. And I think we saw that, you know, there was a um, clinical trials that showed that this was important to do for all babies. There was new guidelines that were coming out that even since that there's been even more strong guidelines and guidance that all babies should do this, uh, but that most parents, uh, even in the biggest clinical trial, just struggled to feed their baby all these different allergenic foods on a regular basis. Uh, um, so that what our, you know, what we wanted to do is just find ways to help make it easy for parents to follow the guidance of what was done in the trial. So we're not like reinventing. you as a person. Like, where were you in this? Because do you still have this dental business at the time? Like, how did this? Occur. No. So uh, I've been out of the dental business since like 2011, 2012. And oh, okay. I was working as like an internal strategy consultant at different companies. I worked at like the Wonderful Company for a while, which makes like Fiji water and Palm Wonderful and Wonderful Pistachios. And um, so I, I'd been doing other um, work, uh, not as an entrepreneur, um, but finding interesting ways to 
to apply kind of what I've learned in the past. And but I think eventually I always knew I wanted to get back to to building something. Um, so and then when my when my nephew developed these allergies and we saw an opportunity to help, um, you know, again, not like reinvent the science. I'm not, I'm not a doctor, but just to find ways to help implement what was done in the, in the clinical trials more easily. Uh, I mean, it seemed obvious that like, I mean, sure, if you want to just feed your baby peanut once, or if you want to feed them only peanut a handful of times, but in the clinical trials, they showed you need to do it at least three months straight of a oh. couple of times a week. Um, oh. and that is, if it's more than just peanut, that just can be, you know, quite difficult. You know, my, my babies at like four to six months of age, were like not eating anything very well, let right. alone like the right dose of multiple different allergens on a regular basis. So our product just exists to help make it easy to feed your baby the right amount of each allergen based on what was done in the clinical trials, um, by putting a small amount of powder in their bottle once a day. And it just, it's just peanut egg and milk powder that dissolves easily in breast milk or formula. So that way, no matter what your baby's eating, it's easy for them to, you know, to get the right amount of the allergenic food that they need. So when this happened with your nephew, were you like, okay, this is an opportunity we need to, like, how did, was there like an organic process? How did you discover this powder? Why don't you just give them the bomba? I mean, you said that your kids wouldn't just eat bomba at four yeah. months old. Um, my kids wouldn't either. But so were you like, okay, we need to find a powder? Like, what was the process <laughs> towards finding this product? So, so for us, I think what we really thought was that if, if you want to make it easier than Bamba, then it has to have like multiple allergens and be in okay. a bottle, which, and, and the right dosing from the clinical trials and things like that. So we, you know, we have an, a friend who's an allergist and she helped us figure out like what the right type of powder was, but there's also a question, some, you know, we had to make it all ourselves uh, because you have to, you know, but there aren't kind of like pre-made peanut powders that um, you can easily drink through a bottle. Uh, but it's also not rocket science, right? It's just like food. So um, you worked with like a food scientist and an allergist to mm -hmm, help figure mm -hmm. out like, how do we make like the right powder that's just peanut, egg and milk uh, in the right doses and the ingredients from the clinical trials, but that dissolves easily in a bottle of breast milk or formula. Uh, so that, that way, you know, it's easy to feed your baby the right amount on a regular basis. Okay. So, so you saw this opportunity, you worked with some people, you got the powder. How did you then introduce the product to market and get it to where it is today? So we just started selling it on our website um, and we did a combination of like advertising through uh, some pediatricians that had helped us develop it as well as um, advertising on you know, Facebook and, and Instagram and things like that. You know, I, I think that in the beginning, we focused a lot more on, on educating people based on like the clinical trials and guidelines um, and like that that was, you know, that's been effective, but that uh, we also need to do more than that um, because a lot of people don't read clinical trials or, um, yeah. or especially with the previous guidelines before the new ones just came out last week were kind of complicated in their wording and hard for yeah. like parents to, it's like four or five pages of like small font you have to read through to figure out what to do with your baby, which is not super great. Um, I mean, you would just wouldn't even think you just avoid, you know, it's just, just avoid. exactly. And that's exactly the problem we were in. So that's why we wanted to go on Shark Tank and look for other ways to kind of get exposure to the idea so that we could, you know, show that this is not just our idea, because it's not our idea, it's the, that it's an, a scientifically founded idea based on clinical trials that have led to new guidelines, and that we're just there to help make it the, the, you know, make it easy to follow what was done. Uh, so that's really what we've been focused on is, you know, we, we do want to teach people about the science ourselves the, to the extent that we can, uh, and that, that people are interested in it, but that uh, we also want to partner with other people that have credibility, whether it's, you know, Shark Tank and Mark Cuban or healthcare systems to, to help distribute educational material from places that parents already trust uh, so that they'll understand that this is, 
you know, not not just what we're saying to do, but this is what every serious allergist is saying to do. Uh, and that you should, you know, if you can do this at home without using our product, that's fantastic. Um, you know, we don't we don't want to say that our product is the only way to follow yeah, the clinical yeah, trials at all. Yeah. Um, you know, if you, if you want to try doing, you know, the scrambled egg three times a week with your four month old and also peanut butter three times a week or Bamba and also, <laughs> you know, yogurt three times a week. That's totally fine. But that, you know, just know that we have a way to make it really easy to follow exactly what was done in the clinical trials and shown to be effective. So do you guys partner mostly with doctors? Like like you, you mentioned that your wife is a pharmaceutical rep. Like does she go and introduce your product to doctor's offices? So um, doctors work with us, but right now we're focused more on um, working with um, either consumers or like groups of doctors because um, individual doctors just don't see that many babies. So the the economics on like you know, meeting with them, convincing them, like, it's not that hard to convince them, but then also getting them to change their way, the way that they normally have their visits so that they remember to talk about it. They just don't see enough, uh, enough four month old babies to have mm-hmm. that be worthwhile. Um, mm-hmm. So we're working with like larger groups of doctors, like healthcare systems. So that, for example, like we just launched a couple months ago in Wisconsin and Illinois with a healthcare system there, um, educational content that will go to all the babies in every visit under one year of age. Um, and it doesn't push our product, but it does make sure that they know about the right educational content about the guidelines that they should be doing this. And then it also directs them to uh, a website that we own that just talks about the education um, where, oh. you know, we can help like teach people more and uh, and then eventually, you know, be able to sell our product too. So, so you're not selling in that to those people at all? Like does your educational site sell your product at all? No. Uh, really? It's just focused on on education. It's preventallergies.org. Uh, and that's one of the reasons that healthcare systems are willing to, to point to it. I mean, look, we'd love to also sell our product there, but then that'll make like larger healthcare systems, I think, more reticent to, um, to, 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 to promote it. And like we're in talks now with Mayo Clinic and others to really get this uh, out there as like great education. Because if everyone in America knew that they had to do this process, we would sell plenty of our product. Um, yeah. Really, our challenge, our challenge is like, and it, we always sell more product. It, it would be great, but our challenge is really about like how many people know that they should be giving their baby these allergens early, exactly. frequently, and if we can have a scalable way that doesn't require us to pay money to keep educating people, but that automatically, you know, these healthcare systems will distribute the right educational content for us, then we can just focus on why our product is great. Uh, and it, and why it's the easiest way to follow what you already know you should do instead of right, right now we have to focus a lot more on you know, why you should know this is safe and why you should know. Yeah. Like to your point, like you were, I think justifiably worried about safety. Like, yeah, I I wouldn't want bad things to happen to my kids, but when you think about, well, yeah, this is what they've already been doing in Israel for decades. And also it's what the medical guidelines say to do like in 10 years from now, this will be what everyone knows they need to do. And I think our job is just like, how can we advance that so that um, as a small business trying to, trying to grow, we can take more advantage of growing awareness and not just wait, you know, 10 years for this to become the same of care because also you know as the uncle of a kid with these food allergies you know if every parent in america i think you kind of alluded to this in the beginning if every parent in america followed these new guidelines there'd be about a quarter million fewer babies every year that get food allergies Um, and that if we wait 10 years to get there that means you know two million kids will unnecessarily have these food allergies that you know could have not had them just by uh, following the newest guidelines from the american academy of pediatrics and from the american academy of allergy and asthma 
So it sounds to me that your business is definitely a business, like whereas you're trying to make money, but this is also a really big passion project for you because you really care to help these children not have to get allergies. And you're trying to, you have a big element of your brand, which is just giving back in terms of education, because that doesn't even point towards any sales. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think that like, look, while my dental supply company had, I think, less passion for the mission, um, that it is nice when you can find something that you both think you can make money doing and also you can you, know, you can help people. So I think that um, while I, I don't think like I wasn't I wasn't that lucky for the first you know 20 years of my career. I, you know, I think I am now and I'm 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 happy that I, I have a, a company where I can hopefully have a good financial outcome and also, um, you know, uh, be able to help a lot of babies uh, along the way. And because I didn't even realize that you have this whole, you know, preventallergies.org side to your business, because I would imagine that you guys are investing quite heavily in educating the market, partnering with Mayo Clinic or any other, you know, place that you're partnering with, which, and you're not even going to be seeing anything back from that right away. You know, it's just really interesting to hear that that is your strategy. Yeah. And I think that, look, part of it is mission. Also, part of it is that I do think in the longer run that being able to help guide the way people are educating parents about this and making sure that it's being done the right way will make sure that, like, instead of 10 years, that that, like this is the, you know, the way everyone's doing it in two to three years. So I don't look while while I like the mission side of it. I don't think that if we didn't see some benefit uh, out of it in the longer run, that we'd be able to invest as much in it. But I do think that you know, in the, it, it's, it is a mid to long-term bet that like, we're going to be able to help drive more awareness in this category in a way that's going to substantially benefit our business uh, along the way. Uh, so, but yeah, it's a, it, it definitely is, um, is, is a bet. Well, we won't know if it really pays off for another year or two, but that uh, I think that given the newest guidelines that have now come out, more healthcare systems will be excited to implement them. And that yeah. now we have a prepackaged way for them to implement the medical best practices that they can kind of just kind of plug into their healthcare system um, yeah. that then directs them, their, all of their patients to a site that we own. And while there is not as direct of a business benefit, if we can, if because of these newest guidelines, um, we can get a lot of momentum behind that, that's going to have a lot of benefits for us in the long run. Yeah, I think so too. And I don't know if you're into energetics, but I feel like even energetically, like when you're giving so much value to the world and just trying to help people and educate them, like that does come back to you. <laughs> like you might not be able to connect the line right now, but I mean, that is absolutely on its way back. So <laughs> very important. Um, so I have a question. So you mentioned that Shark Tank was more of an attempt to educate the market and go, was that really the reasoning behind going on to Shark Tank, applying for Shark Tank? Yeah, I think that like from our perspective, there's two benefits. One is being on Shark Tank and the other is that, you know, the sharks themselves have a platform to help spread yeah. awareness. Um, and, you know, I think we were lucky. We didn't realize that Mark Cuban's daughter has a peanut allergy, but that oh, uh, no that made way. him more motivated to want to help us. So I think it's been a, a great relationship. He's been you know helpful in a lot of ways uh, that, have, that have really supported the business and, and awareness. Um, and that it was both helpful from the Shark Tank perspective as well as from the Mark Cuban perspective uh, to help you know, kind of get, get awareness out there about this topic. So do you mind if we spend a couple of minutes just talking about Shark Tank? Because I know that a lot of our listeners are really curious and it's like, wow, he did it. Like he got on Shark Tank and Mark Cuban is investing with him. That is so stinking cool. So what was the journey like? Like, did you have to meet certain qualifications? Was there like FDA, any process that you had to go through? Like, tell us how this started, this, this whole Shark Tank part. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of the application process takes a lot of work and you have to satisfy a lot of legal requirements to like justify claims um, and to convince them that you'll be good on TV. Um, Mm. Because I think that that's one thing to keep in mind is that like while there's a lot of business aspects that are important, 
Um, it's a TV show. So mm-hmm. that like, yeah, and that's why we honestly weren't really sure we'd be on. Once you film, there's still a not a very high likelihood that you get aired. Right. And what is it like twenty five percent? Is that what the the percent? I've heard between twenty five and fifty. I think it depends like what measure what measure you're using, but it's pretty low. So like um, you didn't and, even know, like you did not know that you would be featured until a couple weeks before. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Oh my gosh, uh, and, and but I think that for like, and, and my two, two business partners are doctors and like, none of us are being like, no one's begging us to be on TV because we're such good TV personalities. <laughs> but, you know, I think, so I think like we were a little bit worried there, but we thought that like, it was just such an important opportunity to, to drive awareness in a large scale way on the topic um, that it was worth a shot. And, and they thought it was a, a neat idea when we applied. So there's like a lot of back and forth around like what you can and can't say and, and really? like submitting claims to get approved by legal and working on your pitch and all this stuff. Um, do they work they, on, like, do they, do you guys practice in advance? Do they know? Oh yeah. A lot more? of them. They really help. I mean, cause to the point, like we're not TV people, like we don't know okay. what makes interesting TV and they'll edit like the, the rest of it so they can make the rest of make like the Q and a part more interesting by editing out the parts where we're boring. Uh, but that first 90 seconds is, um, is just like filmed straight through. So, um, they really help you under help coach you, help give you the right things to say. Um, I mean, it's your vision and and then you do whatever you want. Like they don't like decide what you say, but if you say something and it's boring sounding, then you don't get aired. So I think we took the approach of like, you know, they're experts. We're not experts on making good TV. So let's listen to their expertise on what will make good TV and we'll make sure that it's medically accurate and the the product gets displayed properly, but that, you know, um, we wanted to be as compelling as we could for TV. So we generally took their guidance on that is so interesting. how to approach the pitch. So that means that even if you don't get onto Shark Tank, just working with them is really beneficial because it helps you just narrow down your pitch. I would say it helps you narrow down like a TV version of your pitch more so than like a VC version of your pitch. So if you're going to do more TV, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but if you're going to be doing like mostly fundraising, it's just different. It's interesting. Um, I mean, I, I have so much respect for the show and they've done so much for me, but I, it's, it's a little bit more like being on The Bachelorette than it is like pitching for a VC. That is so um, interesting because uh, it doesn't come across that way. You know, it comes like across- TV, like, it, yeah. and it, it's real. And like, the, like it, it makes a big impact on our, it made a huge impact on our business. But also I think it's important to realize that like, it has to be compelling TV. So if you want to be yes. aired on, if you want to be aired on, uh, and, 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 the reason I think it's important to emphasize is like, if you want to make it, like you have to make sure that you're going to be interesting on TV and on TV. not just that you have the most amazing business. Um, Very because the most amazing business is like sometimes kind of boring. Yeah, um, definitely. So, and, okay. So, so you got on the show and you guys invested all this time and effort, you know, getting on the show. And then, so do you also meet the sharks before or is that part natural? Okay. So that's real. That's they don't know anything it. about it at all ahead of time. It's all secret. Um, wow. And that like that way it's uh, it's that way it's like really it's really a real pitch. Yeah, it is a real pitch. Um, and, so, and it and comes across more real from them or real from us because it because it is. Because uh, I'm not an actor. If, if, if we had to like <laughs> pretend it was real again. Like, I'd, really? I'd wow, you're, right. That is so funny. So, OK, so you made your pitch. Were you what were you expecting going in? Uh, honestly, we had no idea what to expect. Uh, we were just, I think, uh, at that point, looking for any creative way that we could just drive more awareness and that as a as a huge Shark Tank fan in the past, uh, knew that a lot of people watched the show and uh, kind of respected the things that went on uh, in terms of like having a certain amount of credibility um, and feeling like they'd had a certain amount of vetting. So you know, I think we were just uh, excited about the opportunity that 
ended up giving us, I think, exactly what we wanted. It's been so, it's been really so, so amazing to have that kind of visibility and credibility and, and, and added belief behind the concept that was already valid to begin with, but I think needs more like external validation from credible sources like that. Definitely. Um, and, you know, it's going to take not just healthcare systems, but Shark Tank also and Mark Cuban and things like that to help yeah, make so. sure that we get the right. I mean, if this is something I'm putting in my baby's bottle, like I'm going to need to feel really, really safe and comfortable. So, so yeah. what happened? You guys pitched your pitch and then I didn't, I only watched the first part with, which was the pitch, but I didn't actually get to see the back and forth. Were you surprised what happened? How did this go down? Well, I think we were just surprised that uh, about Mark's personal experience with food allergies that, um, you know, all the sharks are somewhat private about their personal lives. Um, and that, we prepared mostly to defend like the science uh, of it because most people, you know, aren't that aware of, about the science and the guidelines. And that's why I made sure both my partners who are doctors came on with me. Um, but that, you know, because Mark had the personal experience, it was much less about like, you know, backing up the scientific claims because he understood the science. And I think the other sharks to some extent took their cues from him. And also the fact that we had two doctors, one of whom is a board certified allergist talking about it, I think like, just help take that off the table um, yeah. as a discussion point. And then just talk more about how it works, the mission, would people believe it? Could we do marketing the right way? How hard would it be to educate people? Um, because it is hard, like it that is, is the biggest yeah. challenge. Definitely. And that from an investment perspective, you know, the, like, you know, does that make sense or not that we'll have to spend so much time and effort educating? Um, so yeah, there's a good back and forth across all the, all the points. I mean, you saw um, in the rest of the episode, we ended up getting offers from Kevin and Lori also, but that Mark, because he had a personal experience with food allergies, it just seemed to us to be more connected to the issue and able to speak more passionately about it and things like that. That's um, amazing. So, and, and you kept alluding and you kept saying that this has really changed your business. So can you speak to that a little bit? What has changed since your Shark Tank appearance? So I think that there's two things. One is that for a certain group of the population, um, like they, like the fact that we were on Shark Tank and that Mark Cuban invested and like just makes the difference in terms of them believing it. They don't need to read clinical trials or guidelines. Like they just, you know, believe it now because like the, they know that like that, uh, you, you know, he, if anything, Mark is like kind of rough on dietary supplements and anyone making medical claims. Uh, so I think that, you know, not everyone believes Shark Tank that way, but there's a lot of people who do. Uh, I think that helps. And then also just the fact that it's that it has been on Shark Tank and that Mark's willing to talk about it more has, I think, opened up other great opportunities just to spread awareness about it, whether it's, you know, Mark was on Dr. Oz a couple of weeks ago talking about food allergy prevention or just that, like, it, you know, I think it's a topic that's become a little bit more acceptable in the, in the kind of the mainstream to talk about, uh, whether it's Dr. Oz or, you know, ABC News' segment about it with Cuban back in May. I think there's a lot of a lot more just general discussion about it and in a way that's going to be beneficial for us as awareness grows over the next years. And have you seen any benefit from having Mark Cuban on board as in, you know, giving, besides for investing, but just his ideas and his team? Like, what does that look like? Yeah, he has a, a really fantastic team. I mean, he um, provides lots of good feedback himself, but has a lot of great resources that um, he's helped us out with. Um, and really great people on the e-commerce side. Uh, they can give us tips and, and guidance. Um, and then, I, you know, he himself has also gone on a couple shows for us to talk about food allergy prevention. Be, and, you know, because he cares more about this topic, I think he's willing to uh, to do things that, you know, in the end, the investment 
it's not going to make a meaningful difference in his net worth, but that I think he knows that like, you know, he, his daughter has these allergies and that, you know, he can do a lot to help others not develop those allergies. And that's meaningful to him. So, you know, his team has been great, but I think he, the time and effort he's personally given us to, to help, you know, drive awareness has been really fantastic also. That is so cool. And the, and sales as well. Have you seen the difference in sales? Yeah, we're up about like a six to seven X since uh, last year. That's um, amazing. Which is really nice. So we're in a yeah. nice place growth wise. Um, and some of that's definitely due to Shark Tank and Mark Cuban. Um, I think yeah. that there's a, like not, uh, you can't rely on that because that's uh, only a, a, a short bump, uh, but that it's definitely something that was very helpful to us. And I think for us, especially because of the nature of awareness we needed for the category has helped us more than might help others. Uh, but yeah. that, um, but that, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely been helpful as part of our, you know, really great growth over the last 12 months. And have you seen a lot of competition pop up after the show? Not really. Um, we thought there would be more. I mean, we do have a, a couple competitors, one of whom is pretty well-funded. Uh, but that um, I think because of the safety issues around babies and yeah. uh, the other concerns that it's less easy for people just to just, like jump in it. Um, and that like, for us, you know, we were able to, to some extent, jump in it, but it still took a year and a half of planning and working with a team of allergists uh, and being lucky enough to have uh, an allergist in our life who had really great connections to other allergists and can bring in a really great medical advisory board. So, um, look, I, I'm, I'm sure we'll get more competition at some point, um, and maybe it'll happen, uh, you know, early next year. Who knows? But that um, I think in, in this area, our biggest problem is not going to be the competition. It's going to be just like how many people know that you should be feeding your baby these allergens uh, and know that it's safe. That is so interesting. So what is your main, besides for what you've discussed with um, the Mayo Clinic and um, working with doctors, how else are you going to be spreading this awareness? So I think that, you know, we're going to continue normal direct consumer e-commerce tactics and growth, Facebook, Instagram, influencers, that, you know, brand partnerships, but that uh, there's a number of these other groups that have an interest also in helping spread awareness, uh, whether it's like celebrities that have a food allergy, um, healthcare systems, um, health insurance companies that are shelling out a lot of money for food allergy treatments. Oh, that is so, so smart. Yeah. I think that like, you know, celebrities are the easiest to get to and health insurance companies will take a long time. Uh, but that there's, a, the, while we do have a challenge in education, we have the benefit of a lot of other people wanting to help, um, whether it's because they care about it personally or whether it's because they have a financial um, interest in it. Um, I do think that like there's a lot of other people who will help who will help educate, and that's why I think we'll we'll be really successful. Where it would be really difficult if we just had to educate people all by ourselves and no one else wanted to pitch in. I think I think that would be too hard. Yeah, uh, the main thing that I'm really getting from you is that you have a long game in mind, and that you know that's kind of what we started with before. Is like you have a very like stick with it kind of attitude, which is what we saw from your first 11 years in business, and even now you're willing to do things that I think most people would not be willing to do in terms of education and outreach, which are not going to lead to direct sales today, and you're willing to do that, which to me just you know shows that even if there are all these competitors, like you guys are going to stick it out because there's a, a, there's a different way that you're looking at this. It's not just the instant gratification. I also am feeling very much like this is not just a business 
only. Like there's a lot of uh, meaning behind this and a big purpose behind this. So it's very inspiring to listen to, even though it's a great business story, it's just really, truly inspiring. And just learning from you and your character and the way that you're seeing things, I think definitely is um, a good indicator of like what separates, you know, success from somebody who's just kind of on the sidelines and wishing for it. So what would be your your parting do you do you agree with that with that kind of assessment or what, what are your thoughts yeah no i think um i think that's definitely part of it i i, I mean i don't want to over index on too long term plan because i think it's important to be agile and like if you see that something's not working don't be too stuck on it um, oh that's a really good point so i think that, that like it but it's it look that's you always have to balance those of like if you're yeah. always changing then you you can't stick to anything long enough to see if it'll really work in the right way, but um, but also knowing that like some things, so I think that for us, like, you know, seeing that healthcare systems were really interested in this tells me there's enough interest there, but then it will take a lot of sticking to over the long run to make it work. So I think, yeah, you have to balance the two, but there's, it's always, uh, and I don't really have a, a great answer of how to decide how to balance the two, but I, I do think both both are important, but but yeah, I think that there's a, a great book called, um, what's that Jim Collins book, the older one, uh, Good to Great, I think, uh, and that one of the principles they talk about is the flywheel. Uh, and that like um, flywheels, like these you know, big heavy wheels that like you, if you push, if you push against it, it's not going to move very much. But if you keep moving it and moving it slowly over time, that like it gets momentum and that that's what really translates to movement is like lots of little pushes over time in the same direction. But that if you're always changing direction, that like you lose the momentum that you had. Um, and like you have to balance that against being agile and testing things. But that um, really lots of little pushes in the same direction uh, can be really powerful versus like uh, just pushing all over the place to see, you know, where there where there's motion. It may not feel like there's motion in the beginning, but uh, you have to look for signs that tell you that you're in the right place. So you're not wasting your effort. But then also sometimes you have to keep pushing. Can I tell you something, Daniel? I literally right before that, like before I started interviewing today, made a video about that exact topic and I just like cannot believe that you're that those words just came out of your mouth <laughs> like oh my god ESP like that is insane that is so important I'm so glad you said that that like slow and steady but also what you said was like also conforming to the times and seeing what opportunities are there now so that that's it's so like you're really speaking to my heart <laughs> so thank you for what you just said what would be your just parting message. I mean, that was a really good one. So that might've been it, but a parting message that would just um, give other people the courage and confidence to take their ideas and see them through and make them happen. Ooh, uh, that's a good, uh, good request for an inspirational quote. Um, I mean, I think that uh, like the, I think the one I would, I would, I would go with, and this is not going to be as like short as you want probably, but maybe you can, uh, you'll be able to summarize it better. But um, I think that uh, one of the, one of the um, really interesting books that I've liked a lot is a book called Strategic Intuition by William Dugan at Columbia University. And a lot of what he talks about is how like some of the best ideas that we think of as like so incredibly innovative are um, just kind of like commonplace in other areas, whether it's other industries or other regions or that like in Israel, they're giving bomba to babies and, and in America, we have all these peanut allergies, like, and then just, you don't have to often to like have like the, the best innovation, like be the smartest person in an area or 
the person with the most experience in an area, because often then you're going to be like too stuck in the, the ideas that are already prevalent in your field. Uh, but I think you just have to be open to lots of new experiences, learning from everyone and learning from everything you do, and then being creative in like how you apply those lessons going forward. And I think that I found that message really liberating because like I'm not the smartest person in a lot of rooms that I'm in and like I'm not the most experienced in any category. Um, but like by, you know, looking around and seeing like, well, you know, um, there's, you know, uh, I feed my baby all these powdered things by mixing into their bottle. And in, in, in the food allergies, it seems like there's a big opportunity by like, you know, adding food to babies to decrease food allergies. Like it, there's no like rocket science innovation. It was just kind of like thinking creatively about what you see happening in the world and like what works one area to apply to another place. So I, he gives a lot of really interesting examples about how like the founding of Google is based more on like uh, examples that worked well in other areas and even like the way calculus kind of came about the same way. And he, he gives lots of great examples, but I think it was just really inspiring because it, it, it meant that like, like if you're willing to be open and learn from others that like you can be really innovative somewhere uh, with that knowledge. I really love that. And I also think that speaks to one of the main complaints or uh, things that hold people back, which is what you said, like, why am I the one? Why am I good enough? What are my skill sets and knowledge? And what you're saying is like, you don't even need that. Like, you can just take an idea and go with it and just be creative and innovative. You don't have to be the best. And that's, that's really, really powerful. So um, thank you so much, Daniel, for coming on and sharing your story, which is really, really inspiring. Um, tell us where we could find you, your brand. Are you on social media? What are your websites? Absolutely. So readysetfood.com is uh, where you should go to find our product. I also mentioned preventallergies.org is our uh, brand agnostic education site. We're all, you know, we do sell our product on Amazon also, but we make sure to have uh, better offers and, and promotions on our site, as well as a lot of educational content and, and information about the guidelines and clinical trials that you know Amazon is, is more limiting on. So yeah, readysetfood.com and preventallergies.org are the two places I, I would tell. And are you guys on social media? Yeah, Facebook, Instagram, and um, Twitter and LinkedIn. Um, in almost every place we own just like the at readysetfood, I believe Twitter is at underscore readysetfood. But I know Facebook and Instagram are just both at Ready, Set, Food. Amazing. Well, we are going to all be sure to look out for you. And thank you so much. I learned so much. I'm so interested in your product. I think this is amazing. And it just makes me feel more comfortable to hear it from you. Like, you guys have done so much research and um, have really made this something that is viable. Like, I would never have thought of putting powder in my baby's bottle <laughs> until now. And now I'm really excited about that. So thank you, Daniel. Thanks for all you're doing. Thanks for having me on. Have a have good day. A, have a great day. Well, that wraps up another incredible episode. If you learned something today, I so much appreciate when you leave a positive review on iTunes and share the episode with a friend who can benefit. I love hearing from you and knowing who it is on the other end of the line that's listening in. Seriously, when you're behind the microphone, you just don't know who's listening. I love when you guys tag me on Instagram or LinkedIn at Sippy Gross. That's spelled T-S-I-P-P-I. G-R-O-S-S and tell me what you thought. It really makes my day. How would you rate your life right now? Are you feeling fulfilled, energized, meeting your financial goals, passionately in love with your spouse? All the things. Take my life satisfaction quiz today at sippygross.com to see where you're at. That's again spelled T-S-I-P-P-I-G-R-O-S-S dot com. 
If you're tired of living on a hamster wheel and are excited by the idea of a life that brings you meaning, joy, fulfillment, purpose, and financial freedom, or if you've been working on your business or your job for so long and you're just not getting where you thought you would be by now, you're not getting the results you want, you can now apply for a, v- a VIP day by emailing sippy at sippygross.com. That's again spelled T-S-I-P-P-I at sippygross.com. To book a workshop for your company or a keynote with me, email sippy at sippygross.com. Thanks for tuning in and I'll catch you on the next episode.